Hello and welcome to Building Insights, brought to you in association with the A. Proctor Group. I'm James Parker, Managing Editor of Architects Datafile and House Builder and Developer. Today, we are discussing the ins and outs of high-performance membranes when it comes to the increasingly popular building methods of off-site and modular construction. However, what are the key things that specifiers need to know to get membranes right, and how should the industry collaborate to achieve them? It's great to be joined by Will Jones, who's Head of Business Development, and Adam Salt, Business Development Manager for Modular and Offsite at the A Proctor Group to give us their insights. Hi, Will and Adam. Thanks for joining us. Hi, James. Hello, James. Firstly, who are the A Proctor Group and what do you do? So uh, the A Proctor Group, we're a, a, a supplier of specialist construction membranes, uh, but we do have a range of, of, of products for, for different markets, such as thermal, uh, acoustics, and, and the aforementioned uh, membrane uh, market. We're a family-run business. We're based up in Perthshire in a, in a small town called Blair Gowrie in Scotland. Uh, so we're still family-run. Our managing director, Kira Proctor, uh, is, is still uh, still uh, leading the, the way there. And uh, we, we as I mentioned, we supply a range of different products to the construction market. We're, we're the, seen as the market leader for, for specialist membranes. And I thought we've been able to do that because we constantly like to innovate our products. We, we listen to the market. We listen to our customers. And we try and understand, you know, what's going to be the, the next best product um, for, for, for that sort of line of, of materials, such as the membranes. Um, so, yeah, we, we, we're very good at reacting to the market and its needs. And um, we've also diversified throughout the years as well. We've not always been specialist membranes. So back uh, back in the, the sort of uh, 70s, 80s, we we're more focused on the thermal side of the market with insulation. So we're, we're not uh, we're, we're not scared of change at the A-Proctor Group. When I joined the A Proctor Group at 25, uh, it was about four and a half years ago now, I was quite overwhelmed with the experience we have in the business as well. Um, majority of the staff at the time had been here for, you know, sort of 20 years plus. We're known for having a lot of experience in the industry. Um, and uh, yeah, that's, that's been helpful. Because it's quite a technical area, of course, what you're dealing with is physics at quite a minute level, isn't it? It is, yeah, it, it is indeed. Yeah, it's, it's not just a case of we'll, we'll uh, introduce a membrane here because we've been asked for one. You need to understand how they work and, and, and why they do what they do, and, and, and we'll, we'll get into that. And try and explain it to specifiers. <laughs> yeah, indeed, yeah. So on that subject, can you provide some guidance on best practice for specifying membranes, um, and particularly for modular and off-site construction, and also spanning from initial design to installation please yeah i think i think it's quite important when we have such a wide range of products to offer that we have the technical support to go alongside that now when we're looking at the the physics of the building um whether it is modular and off-site construction or traditional build they become quite similar um so understanding those performances of that building is vital to kind of any project we do um so the kind of Arguably, the most critical stage is to understand those internal environment conditions. Um, so at this stage is where we're going to look at the occupants, um, the building purpose. We, and that's really important to whatever we design, design, the building needs to be fit for purpose. So understanding those internal moisture loads. And what we mean by that is, well, 
if we're building a warehouse with big open shutters, it's not going to have a, an internal um, high moisture loading. Whereas if we were to build a care home with you know, occupants there all throughout the year, heating temperatures on higher throughout the year, people coming and going, um, with all that sort of moisture being built up a lot more, it's going to be more critical. So we kind of see care homes as the higher end of the scale and maybe warehouses at the lower end of the scale. But it's really important in that stage to understand uh, what we're building uh, and designing a building fit for purpose. Because people might try to over or under-engineer it. That's that's why it's arguably the most critical stage. From then on, you know, we've got a good understanding of our internal environment. We then need to understand the external environment. So looking at the, the weathering of the building in the, as the main area. So looking at the exact site location helps what kind of weathering conditions we have. Um, and I say the exact site location rather than regions, because if you take Manchester, where it rains pretty much every day, and then you can go a couple of miles south and it's pretty sunny. Um, so Yeah, well, well, protected by a hill or something like that. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, well, exposure, um, so, you know, geographical um, factors. If it's out on the coast of Wales or Scotland compared to being in a city, uh, they're going to have different, uh, be hit by different winds from different locations. Uh, solar gains could be a factor. Uh, look at you know, south-facing elements of the building. Could we utilise that with windows? Um, so really trying to optimise our design as well from the external environment. And never a, a one-size-fits-all. Yes, exactly. Um, so that, that's the two elements we start with, uh, internal and external. Then it's the great part for the designers because we start looking at the building itself and what, what we can have a bit of control with. You know, are we going to, what sort of materials we're going to use? Timber, concrete, steel. All of these are going to have different properties, whether it's thermal performances, moisture storage capacities, um, and you can start to, to play with your design. Um, and a big part of my job is then looking at offsite versus traditional build. Um, obviously, there's benefits and, and disadvantages to both. Offsite, you've, you know, you're probably going to have a less dryout period than traditional build uh, because they're not going to be affected by a lot of the weathering. Um, on site, um, you know, you're relying on the workmanship, whereas off site, you've got more uh, machine led tolerances uh, and everything from that point of view. Um, so, yeah, we start playing with the building itself, how we're going to construct it. Um, and we then build a bit of a picture of our full design, the internal, external environment and how it's going to all be put together, materials we use. From then on, we can look at maybe taking a bit of a, a holistic approach to start to understand the interactions between our heat, air and moisture movement, uh, which at the APROCTA group we call the hand principles. Um, and that's probably where I can, can bring in Will. Yeah, so as Adam just mentioned there, now, now we understand those kind of key uh, elements of, of internal, external environmental conditions uh, and also uh, what the buildings are going to be built out of. We can then start to look at uh, and, and build that sort of picture into the actual finite design of an element such as a wall. Um, so it's important if we if we take one of those such as the heat, the thermal, we need to complete uh, things such as a U-value calculation, which is where we, we take all the um, sort of thermal performance of, of the, the products, uh, materials are going to be used to build that element. Taken for granted nowadays, but actually it goes into quite a lot of detail. You, you look at everything from the plasterboard right through to the external cladding. The main components being what your your wall in this instance is being made out of. Is it block? Is it a steel frame with insulation within that frame? Is it timber? Uh, as Adam mentioned, they have different um, different abilities uh, or capacities to actually hold heat uh, and store heat themselves. So that makes a, makes a difference. So 
we, we get that new value, which is our overall thermal performance of, of that in this instance we'll stick with the wall. Um, and we're kind of used to using what's known as the Glazer method, which is a steady state heat, heat analysis, which is kind of, like I say, it's, it's, it's what you expect from, from your standard UVA calculation. And off the back of that, you always end up with a condensation risk analysis as well. And what that condensation risk analysis shows us is um, from those materials that are being used, how quickly vapour can pass through that construction as well. If we take this, the, the sort of standard British uh, environment, we, we tend to have warm buildings inside, we heat those buildings and we have a cooler environment outside. So the natural vapour drive is to go from internal to external. And we expect to see a condensation risk point at, at, at some point within that construction. And we have to try and control that as best as possible, limit the risk of condensation, but also limit the risk of condensation occurring within the structure, which is known as interstitial condensation. You, you don't want that to happen at, at a vital point of the structure because you might not be able to see that buildup. And that can cause, obviously, problems and damage to the building. So effectively, you're doing a really deep analysis of the design on, on lots of uh, criteria and and working out things like that interstitial conversation risk in in the process we we can actually take it a step further because i mentioned the glazer method which is steady state heat analysis we can go to a dynamic numerical simulation methodology which takes basically uh, supercharges a, a u-value calculation and goes into even more detail you can introduce things such as what happens if the cladding fails and I get moisture within that buildup, how long will that take to dry out? Um, it goes uh, through day-to-day -day weather analysis and uh, was mentioned earlier, the actual site location via postcode. We can go back and have a look. Obviously, we can't predict the future, but we can go back and have a look at actual weather data for that site and see um, what we'd expect to happen over the course of a one, two, three, four year period, right through to 20, 30 years. If needs be, we really need to go that far forward, but depending on the, the, the building use. Dynamic numerical simulation takes a lot more data. Now, if you work in retrofit with old buildings, solid wall construction, you'll be more familiar with that standard. It's the EN15026. Um, but that data is available for projects. Um, so it, it shouldn't limit us just to those, those type of projects, although that's where it has its most kind of gains. Um, as Will said, there's a number of extra criteria taken into consideration and mainly is that time frame we can run it for a number of years and start to intersect to different years to look at different elements of the build and see if there's problems introduce problems and make a bit more of a, a better analysis so we use a software called woofy uh, which is done by the Fanhofer institute and uh, yeah it's a software we've been using for a number of years i'd say from the, the design approach it's very similar uh, in terms of traditional but uh, specifying the actual membrane there might be different challenges that we will touch on later on in this podcast uh, that that are going to mean different types of specification uh, compared to traditional build. Um, it's also fundamental that we understand how, because off-site modules, it's, it's quite an encompassing, it's quite a generic terminology um, for, for off-site construction. They, they, we, we see it be done differently from, from different manufacturers, different installers. You might only be sort of building in, in a lot of off-site um, uh, companies just a panel of a wall for instance and the roof and that gets taken to site and put together you might have fully finished modules that go to site and get obviously placed yeah but, e but even volumetric comes different you know th there's different uh, different operations there you, sometimes you have finished 
uh, 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 normally they're lightweight structures, so steel frame or, or timber frame structures. Sometimes they're finished just to the, the, the frame themselves, and then the external cladding is put on on site. And then sometimes they go to site with the external cladding already applied. So that will have different challenges to, to, to obviously making sure we specify the correct membranes in the correct application there. So we really, although it's, it, it is similar in its initial design, how a building is going to perform is the same, whether it be modular, whether it be traditional. Um, obviously, there's challenges when it comes to how it's going to be constructed and at what stage it's being taken to site and delivered. The next question is, there are so many different membranes now on the market, and how do you determine as a specifier the most appropriate membrane material for a particular project based on the factors you were just talking about perhaps common uh, uh phrase i hear quite a bit especially within the aproctor group is a membrane isn't just a membrane you know but you'd be surprised how many designers architects um uh, and contractors that we speak to that will just say oh we just need a breather membrane so whatever we'll just put whatever we think will be suitable and initially i'm not saying there's anything massively wrong with that but inherently we do need to fully understand everything that we've previously mentioned in order to make sure we specify the correct membrane Membranes can have uh, different performance criteria. It could be fire performance. It could be thermal performance, such as reflective style membranes. We obviously have things uh, like um, breathable membranes, which is vapor permeability. Um, common misconception is a breathable membrane allows air to pass through just because of that word breathable. It's actually allowing vapor to pass through. Um, you can have airtight vapor permeable membranes you can have air open vapor permeable membranes. So uh, they help facilitate the drying out of the building uh, and they could also uh, help with air tightness of the building as well. Um, but most importantly, they're seen as secondary uh, protection. At least external membranes are seen as secondary protection. They're, they're rarely, and they should never really be used as the sole waterproofing um, sort of part of the, of the construction, but they can offer temporary waterproofing, which is very important, especially with modular and offsite, because it could be something that's, taken to the membrane stage and then delivered to site with the membrane exposed for a few weeks so that that, that becomes important and, and on that it isn't just moisture ingress as well it's things like uv uv degradation if you leave a membrane out like most things the sun has a tendency to wear them down over time so uh, you have to make sure you're exactly that yeah you have to make sure you specify a, a, a product which potentially has a better uv resistance if it's going to be left exposed for, exposed for a, a period of time and like you say they can degrade you lose the performance and if that product is there to do a specific job such as air tightness or or water hold out you don't really want that degrading but these are these are very important components within the wall build up but because they're such a small part of the wall build up they're sometimes overlooked as you know the, the, the importance the level of importance exactly that Exactly that. Exactly that. And and I think that where they tend to come into their own is where we know we potentially have a high risk area, such as a swimming pool, for instance. We have a load of moisture in that room. We need to make sure that the, any sort of potential risk for condensation is going to occur in the right places. So things such as um, chlorine resistant membranes or higher performing uh, DPM damp, damp proof membranes need to be obviously uh, utilized when looking at sort of these higher risk uh, constructions and that might only be part of your build and that's the other thing as well just because you specified a membrane in one area of that building 
it doesn't mean it's going to carry it out right through to other areas. We we also, I mentioned earlier that the, the UV membranes, we also have membranes which sit behind open jointed cladding where we expect there potentially to be a, a, a level of exposure over the period of, of, of 12 months. Uh, and that obviously needs to make sure that one, it's probably a dark colour, so you don't see it behind the open jointed cladding. But two, obviously it's not going to get degraded by any UV uh, rays passing through the, the open jointed cladding. So it, it, it's not just protection, it can also be aesthetical as well. So that's why there's so much to think about and, 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 and why we hopefully what we try and do is take all of that away, all, all of that risk away from the designer and say, look, let us help you with that. Tell us what you're trying to do. We can come along and make sure you're specifying the correct products. I was wondering, in terms of specifiers in residential, for example, and modular, whether whether they need to, you know, interrogate the the ins and outs scientifically to try and work out exactly what they need, or, or is it more of a case of what do we want to get out of this and then hand it over to you? When membranes first came around, it was almost seen as a bit of building paper on the outside and a bit of plastic on the inside. Um, and that's been the kind of attitude. Uh, but in that sort of 10 to 15 years that they've been been mainly used in construction, uh, the development of those of membranes has vastly exceeded any other product in, in the sort of through wall build. Um, so we can, even if you're just using that kind of standard breather material on the outside and vapour uh, resistant membrane on the inside, you could be maximizing your build looking at some of the other materials. Um, and there's such thin materials in there um, that you could be missing out on benefiting your design from either a cost or a thickness perspective. A prime example would be timber frame for many years uh, where you have the, the battened out um, cavity on the outside and the inside. Uh, you've got an air gap in front of the membrane. So introducing a low emissivity reflective uh, breather and, and reflective membrane will warm up that air gap and improve your U-value uh, calculation, which might mean we don't need to increase our insulation thickness or we just get an improved U-value from the same thickness we got rather than reduce it. So, yeah, there, there's a number of aspects by looking at the design where we could benefit from putting different performance criteria in. Air tightness, you know, we, we've always looked at the internal for, for air tightness, um, which is traditionally where our service uh, penetrations are your, your plumbing your electrics uh, look around your own rooms now you'll see how many penetrations you have in that internal lining uh, can you move it externally um, and, and get more benefits there so it's really just trying to maximize that design um, by utilizing these thin materials we do have a, a, a live example of that one actually adam if you remember we were speaking to a, a manufacturer who were surface mounting all of their services, so all of their sockets and, 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 and plumbing and everything was all surface mounted, and they really wanted to get rid of that. They wanted to try and put that within the wall. Um, but the problem they had was because of the U-value they were trying to get to, it was quite high-performing uh, um, requirement for, for, for the thermal performance. Um, they, they they didn't really have the space to be able to do that without sort of eating into the floor space. Um, we were able to sort of introduce a reflective membrane, but also an airtight membrane it's sometimes the client requirements as well that, that is driving some of this. So we've got, we've got building regulations, but, you know, the client might want to be more wear sustainable um, and have higher performances. Um, so they might want a lower air tightness. They might want a better U-value, um, improved fire performances, all these aspects. Um, and membranes can contribute to that uh, vastly. Um, so speaking to architects has always been our sort of bread and butter um, it, it, within our product development. And, 
that's been the same now with modular companies speaking to the design teams um, and, and looking at how they build. We spoke earlier um, uh, about UV degradation, uh, and that's going to be a factor in storage as well. Um, if, if modules that are wrapped in a membrane are stored for longer than, than they can uh, stand uh, with that UV performance. Um, so that's really a critical area we look at in high detail. I think, Will, you worked on a, a project, didn't you, with a modular company looking at that? Yeah, they, they uh, well, to be fair, Adam, a couple, but they, 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 where it seems to be a recurring problem where they're relying solely on their customer and how quickly these modules are going to be required on site. There might be a hold up on the project uh, and these, these modules are being stored outside. Initially, I think they were due to be left for a, for a long period of time, say sort of, you know, between five and six months. Um, because they knew they were sort of getting the modules built early, so they would be prepared for their customer, uh, their client, when, when they were required. Um, th there was a, a halt in the in, in the um, in the project, and I think they ended up sitting there for for well in excess of sort of you know twelve months. Uh, so it, you need to make sure again it's back, it's back down to. And although we're not going to know that initially, if we know they're going to be left exposed, we can hopefully try and combat any sort of yeah any potential risks. Correct. So just because it's modular doesn't mean that you've solved all of those logistical issues. We have that 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 potential risk if the insulation is not on the outside. The, the calculation and the initial design didn't know that. It just knew this was going to be the finished build. Now we don't have that external insulation. That's changed your dew point. That's changed your temperature of that building. Therefore, we expect it to react differently. And we might be causing ourselves issues because we haven't got to a particular stage and as long as we know that we can overcome that but uh, plenty of areas for the modules panels uh the membrane to all be damaged so looking at the way again a fully self-adhered membrane might combat that it's fully bonded back to the substrate it's not likely to blow off um and it, it might be a solution um for a lot of companies don't have one continuous membrane across your, your openings cut the wall membrane back and, and, and return it into your reveals and then have a secondary piece most, I think most of all of our modular projects will be installed in the factory. Um, I think there's very few where the, the frames will be sent to site. Um, it Originally, especially when timber frame first came around, that might have been the case, but now it's all kind of moved in site um, to protect that, that structure underneath from uh, the water uh, exposure, being that secondary protection, really. Uh, elements of uh, the membrane that might be installed to, once the uh, module's gone to site. For for example, if we are if we've got a high requirement for airtightness on a particular project, we can we can wrap that box essentially in in, a, in an airtight membrane. Once we get it to site, we want to make sure we've got continuation around the building, so that so there will be um, obviously there will be works that need to happen on site, uh, which might affect the membranes. And again, um, that's. That's where we can hopefully come in and, and try and alleviate. Sometimes just telling somebody what that product is doing and why it turns that light bulb on as to, ah, okay, now I understand that. That's going to affect the way I do this part of my, my role or, or whatever that might be. So, yeah, it's especially when you look at the wrap type, we're not just looking at stapling a membrane on and forgetting about it. We're looking at trying to get that, that, that homogenous membrane to give us an airtight uh, structure understanding what that's doing and why it's there means that you know potentially if somebody's stuck a hole in the membrane because they've had to um i don't know um put put in a, a, a service void 
uh, such as ventilation, for instance, and then maybe that's moved and they can see they've got a, a, a gaping hole in the wall uh, through the membrane. They're going to know well that needs patching because it's an airtight membrane. So if they didn't know what it was doing, they might just leave it and go, well, I'm sure that's not going to be mm. too much of an issue. We also we also do do uh, a lot of education as well. So we have the likes of our webinars. Uh, we've quite a successful um, webinar series, which has been uh, on YouTube and, and, and LinkedIn. Um, go on, Adam, you're going to add something there? I was going to say, I believe we have over, over 150,000 views now since lockdown. Um, so it's uh, been so, very popular. Yeah. The main thing I would say from dealing with a lot of the manufacturers in, in Modular has been our innovation um, and looking at where we can take our products and push them forward further. That's the way forward, um, and, and, and we will uh, strive to continue to do that. That's great, and uh, thanks for joining us on Building Insights. Thanks, James. Thank you.